Hello and welcome to another episode of RT Plus and another episode in our IFPR series. And today we'll be looking at the application of the UK IFPR regime to commodities firms. Uh, I'm delighted uh, to be joined by Jonathan Herbst, Hannah Meakin and Jochen Vester, uh, all of whom uh, work in our financial services team in London. Um, so let's kick off, uh, Jonathan, uh, with you, if that's all right. Um, what would you say is the sort of high level macro impact of the UK IFPR regime on commodities firms? So, look, the, the big impact is that they are now fully in the MIFID Peru capital regime. So effectively, all of the old regimes, all of the old Chapter 3 IPRU in and the various versions of VIPRU that were applicable and IFPRU to exempt commodities firms, all of that effectively collapses subject to the transitionals. And what that means in, in English is they will have to, you know, hold new style pillar one capital. We'll come, come on to that in a minute. The liquidity requirement will apply subject to potential waiver, which we can come back to in a minute. The concentration risk provisions apply, although, as I say, there is a waiver. But crucially, also the ICARA process is going to apply to them. Uh, and they're going to have to think in that context about their pillar two capital. So, you know, subject to all the things we'll come on to, it's full application of the regime. Fantastic. Thank you for that, Jonathan. Um, so if we can move on, uh, are there any, is there a transitional regime uh, in respect of this? And, and if so, what are the sort of um, you know, key points of that? Yes. So, um, so the good news is there is one. and It's effectively a five year regime. And it has various aspects. Um, so good news and bad news buried in here. Um, I guess the bad news is two points. One, right from year one, the sort of new base capital requirements, permanent capital requirement will apply to these firms. So depending what you are doing, that might be a lot higher, the 750 now than it would have been in the old world. But that's depending on what the firm is doing. That's point one. Point two, slightly better news, um, you've got this sort of five-year smooth transition where effectively you look at what would have been, uh, you know, substitution of either your fixed overheads or your, you, you effectively do the test, you look at your permanent capital, you look at fixed overheads and you look at your um, K factors and on a five-year rolling basis, effectively it goes up for the last two of those tests from 10% to 70% in the fourth year and then the fifth year, everything applies. So effectively, to the extent that those calculations would lead you to something higher than your base capital requirement, you have to go higher, but by those smaller increments. There is one little twist in the tail, which is that whatever else you do, the number you end up with has to be not lower than it would have been under the old IPRU-IM regime, if that would have applied to you. And perhaps Joachim might come on and talk about that a little more in a minute, but just to be aware, there's a kind of so-called flaw in that context. Uh, thank you very much for that, Jonathan. Uh, if we move on to Hannah now. Um, Hannah, um, what's the position in relation to concentration risk? So um, these will now apply to uh, firms, even if they are commodities firms, unless, as Jonathan mentioned, there is a, they're able to benefit from the waiver. And that would be the case where they can meet three conditions. So firstly, the other counterparty has to be a non-financial counterparty. Secondly, the, both counterparties have to have appropriate centralised risk evaluation, measurement and control procedures. And thirdly, 
the transaction has to be one which is reducing the risks directly relating to the commercial activity or treasury financing activity of the non-financial counterparty or its group. Um, and actually, sorry, there's a fourth condition, which is also very important, which is that the um, firm trying to rely on this waiver uh, makes a notification to the FCA on an annual basis, confirming that all those conditions are satisfied. So in many ways, um, these conditions and, um, and the, the kind of notification process itself um, have a lot of similarity to some of the requirements for non-financial counterparties under EMIR. Um, and so firms that uh, have been used to some of those processes will, will probably find this quite familiar. Um, I think the other important point to note is that obviously you, in order to continue to rely on this waiver, you do need to continue to satisfy the conditions. So if the, any of those were to cease uh, during the process, you would need to notify the FCA that that were the case and um, then the concentration risk requirements would apply. Brilliant, thank you for that, Hannah. Um, so Jochen, now that, um, turning to you, now that we've sort of heard about the sort of key uh, components of the regime from sort of high level uh, as they would apply to commodities firms, are there any kind of big pitfalls uh, that players in the market should be aware of? So thank you very much, Arub. I think it, it's worth pointing out um, to two big issues. And I think starting with the transitional first, and I think this refers a little bit to, to what Jonathan said earlier, although commodity firms might benefit from the transitional provisions that are available, they will still be required to, to calculate their capital requirement under IPRIMF if they have been subject to IPRIMF before. And this calculation will act as a floor ultimately below which the capital cannot, cannot fall. However, this does unfortunately not mean that the capital that can be used, so the composition of the capital itself, firms can continue to use this capital they have been using previously. And I'm thinking of, in particular, for example, tier three capitals so or short-term subordinated debt. So I think that the most important point to take away is that although you might benefit from the transitional, there's a separate question, obviously, in relation to the composition of capital and what will be eligible going forward. I think the other point perhaps to, um, to focus on is in relation to, to the concentration risk requirements. And here, as, as Hannah said, I think it's really important to bear in mind that this is an annual notification and firms that might want to rely on this um, will need to make sure that they notify the FCA on an annual basis, but also if there are any any changes, um, in which case they will also need to notify the FCA and obviously they will need to continue to meet all the requirements on an ongoing basis in order to benefit from, from the exemption. Thank you very much, Jochen, and thank you also to Hannah and Jonathan. Um, do stay tuned for more uh, podcasts on uh, the details of the IFPR. Um, we will be releasing those in the coming weeks. Uh, so subscribe uh, to Regulation Tomorrow on your favourite podcast platform or do log on to regulationtomorrow.com. We'll see you soon.